and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and it's sensing more green skin. Mm, love to see it. Question mark. Uh, we'd like <laughs> to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons, Bo, Carl, Katie, Jason, Zoe, James, Keith, and Cody. Thank, thank you, you so much. And of course, since it's the 60s cartoon, we've got a guest with us yet <gasps> again. This time, we're excited to welcome a fellow Glitterjaw podcaster, one of my co-hosts on other shows, David Arnold from Gimmicks and Are You My Mother? What's up, David? Hi, friends. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here and not submerged underneath the earth. Yeah. Sure. sure. Love being on the surface of the earth. Yeah, way better than underneath. Pretty much a fan. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've never been under and under the surface of. Well, I guess I've technically been underground. I've never been in this type of surface below the earth where it's a whole other world. Like, I guess following hollow earth theory yeah. conspiracy is basically what it is. You know? We got to get you down there. It sounds never like. experienced it, oh so gosh, maybe yeah. it's fun. I don't know. Maybe next vacation, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Deep Crow can just take you away and uh, to, to your wildest dreams down there. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> well, yeah, we got a fucking weird episode to talk about today. Um, <laughs> David, have you ever watched, had you ever watched the 67 Spider-Man show before? You know, I hadn't watched the 67 Spider-Man show until people that I considered to be my friends encouraged me to watch it. Uh, and that is what brings me here today. I will say that the link that you provided to watch this um, uh, easily does autoplay more episodes. So this has been mm. on in the background while I've been working um, and mm. doing other tasks in my life. See, that was your choice. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> Yeah, at this point in time, the most iconic part of it is is probably the theme song mm -hmm. that is so resonant and earwormy that I'll be walking around the park or listening to another podcast, and it just sneaks its way in mm -hmm. um, against all other mental defenses. Just all of a sudden, Izzy Strong, listen, bud, he's got radioactive blood. We'll just nestle its way right into the prefrontal. Yeah, yeah. It's very true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but no, otherwise, this is my first experience. Glad to have seen it and been part of it. I am familiar with Boxty. I, I knew that he worked on this, but I had never seen it before. Sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's fun. Are you, are you ever much of a Spider-Man fan in general? Like, it's, you know, I mean, more anything more than what the casual person knows about uh Spider-Man? You know, it's funny because I I would I'd say that I have to assume that I am a casual viewer of Spider-Man. I watched the 90s cartoon mm -hmm. when I was a kid. I only remember the sins of our father, sins of the father storyline. Sure. Um, so you remember like a whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Storyline's <laughs> doing a lot of work. I looked those up on Wikipedia and I don't I don't recognize any of them. So maybe I just remember the title um, <laughs> being particularly memorable. Yeah. Uh, I saw I saw the the Raimi films in theaters with uh, friends in college mm -hmm. um, because that that's what was going on when I was in college. Uh, we studied 
Spider-Man comics in child welfare because there was this sort of revolutionary case on detecting sexual uh, violence in children using a storyline from an 80s comic Hmm. of Spider-Man. But um, that sort of concludes (laughs) it. I have seen the MCU films. I'm not prepared to talk about any other Spider-Man in the world. Sure. That was far too casual a drop and I need more details. Oh God! I wish I, I wish I remember. I just remembered it being weird that we were talking about Spider-Man while um, I think Spider-Man Two was in theaters when I was taking mm-hmm. child welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was the one with Doc Ock, right? Oh um, yeah, the Raimi oh, yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that was in theaters when we were talking about it. And what they did is, um, it was a control group and a study group. And if I'm remembering right, what they did is they gave, uh, children who they suspected of being involved in, um, sexual violence cases, a comic and the storyline involved Spider-Man talking to a young boy who was, um, molested by his babysitter and Mm, the, the folks in the study group, um, Hmm. were more likely to talk to their therapist. So the therapeutics were more successful, um, for anyone who was exposed to that. And it was revolutionary yeah. because it was sort of the first time we'd used pop media hmm. in therapeutics. And so a lot of other studies branched out from like <laughs> this central one. It's almost like pop media is also just storytelling, a thing we've always done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Imagine. And yeah. And so I, it's, I've never read the 85 comic or the yeah. mid eighties comic that the study comes from, but I would have to assume that the storyline is not actually all that revolutionary. It's probably something that you see in other media. It just happened to be the thing that was used. Um, And I I think it was all done in psychology too. So we were studying it way down the pipeline. Fascinating. That is really interesting. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also normally will use this opening section to be like, Hey, let's tell, tell us about your podcast. And it's kind of funny cause you're literally like <laughs> one of your podcasts is literally the one that I'm on. So I don't really know how to ask that question. Uh, you can tell us, tell us about, uh, I mean, you can tell us about gimmicks if you want, but especially I think for listeners, this is the first time you've ever been on Walping Web Snappers. So mm-hmm. are you, my mother is a pretty, is a pretty new podcast still. Um, so yeah. definitely, definitely tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was, I was sort of trying to get my sort of vision for art critique out there. And one of the things that I was interested in exploring was family dynamics and family relationships. And so I came up with this concept, workshopped it. Derek was so gracious to be an early sort of uh, person to bounce ideas off of and came up with this podcast where we look at mother figures in popular media and look at the ways in which they compare, contrast, and then contribute to how we view mothers and mother figures in our lives and how what we come to expect of mothers. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's a lot of good fun. It's a Glitter Josh show, so you can find it the same place you find Walloping Web Snappers. Um, and it, it's been a really good time to like interview my friends and ask them about sort of their experiences and keep exploring that sort of elusive figure that some of us have in our lives and some of us yearn for in our lives, and in some cases, both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I think it's really cool that you're able to go through like literally any type of media that could possibly exist for it. Like, like the show is still, you know, in it's like early days and yet you've already done TV movies, video games and reality shows. Like that's pretty, that's pretty, (laughs) that's a pretty incredible like wide swap. Cause you know, I feel like when you immediately ask about mother characters, people are going to think of like sitcom moms, right? Like that's what their brain's going to go to. And the fact that like, you've done like every already like so many other genres other than sitcoms. <laughs> it's really fascinating. Well, it's really funny that you bring that up Derek. Cause when I first had conceived of it, I thought, Oh, we're going to talk about like those weird guest star moms who come on mm. maybe like three or four times to a sitcom. And they are like, well known. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, 
there may be even a stunt cast. And we've done zero of those. We've either talked about central characters um, or some really big swings from from friends who have come on. And I love that. I, I've been huddling a lot of fun exploring it in that way. And I hope we keep doing some some weird takes on this. Yeah. Yeah. You're no stranger to weird things. Between that I know. and between I know. weird episodes <laughs> for gimmicks and now coming <sighs> up for this weird-ass episode of Spider-Man. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I'm glad that you gave a nod to the green face. I did have to pause mm-hmm. um, when that finally comes up to do a color check on um, mm-hmm. my computer to make sure that what I was seeing was a green face. We just love a green faced villain here in season two of the series. We do. Um, and none of them have a reason to have a green face. Well, they're not, all men. Not to question their green skin glory, but right. I just, they're, they're all just guys. They're, well, they're all this, just human men. <laughs> this, this is the weirdest scenario of all of them because, you know, at least with the, the, the first two that we've covered on this show, they are meant to be super villains. You know, they're, they're still like dudes, but at the very least it's like here, I am sky master, right? Like I have a super villain name, like whatever you're trying, they're trying to make you more, more colorful and interesting with your design the green skin dude in this in this like this is like a scooby-doo thing where you pull the mask off of the villain it's just meant to be a regular guy and for some reason even the regular guy has a green skin face because he's a bad guy and maybe all villains have green skin going forward is what this show is telling us i don't know what the deeper subtext in that is supposed to be but um it's very like very anti-Shrek or something. Like I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he yeah. foresaw the coming of Shrek. <laughs> well, I truly believe we're just living in a pre-Wicked world in which the mm. Wicked Witch of the West was evil. <laughs> Ergo, all people with green skin are evil, and we won't hear Elphaba's story for another 20, 30 years. That's true. Forty yeah. years. Good that lord. Must be yeah. it. That must be yeah. it. That, 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 that there's no other no other uh, answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, the episode we are talking about today, it's Spider-Man 1967, season two, episode five, entitled Menace from the Bottom of the World. Oh, Peter, where have you been? Morning, Betty. What's up? Mr. Jameson's up in the air, that is. He's been looking for you everywhere. (laughs) Oh, I better go right in. Some nutty professor claims he's been getting radio signals from the center of the earth. Probably just another screwball, but it might be good for a couple of pictures. Golly, why do I have to get such dumb assignments? That stuck-up Hammond gets all the big ones. I wonder what that bank story's all about. How can a bank just disappear? Oh, well. They are in an unknown language. Hmm, a real kook. I wonder if I could listen to one of them, Dr. Orloff? Certainly, my boy. Here's one I just recorded this morning. Listen. J-7 reporting. Mission to prepare. We will take the Windsor Street National Bank at precisely 12 noon. Excellent. Holy cats. These are the birds who made the bank disappear. And they're about to grab another one. Grasshoppers, it's gone. How can a solid building just evaporate like that into nothingness? It's uncanny. The synopsis per me, because IMDb is just a giant ass chunk of text, is just Spidey's does journey to the center of the earth, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> the original air date was October 12th, 1968. 
Yeah, and we do get a couple new characters here, um, but they don't really say that much. We get Dr. Orloff and Muggs Riley, who are both voiced by Tom Harvey, who we've talked about the past couple weeks, um, and someone named Hammond, who is voiced by Henry Raymer, who we've also talked about the past couple weeks. So it's all folks that we're very used to hearing at this point. Um, although for some reason, Tom Harvey and Henry Raymer are still not part of that credited cast, despite really being in kind of every episode this season. So yeah, that's so. I mean, they really are Sorry, just guys. like the supporting recurring cast of this. It's so <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. I don't know. Sixties, sixties credits don't make any mm-hmm. damn sense to me. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they got paid. That's all. That that matters, I, I guess, sure at the end hope of the day. so. For each episode. <laughs> For each episode. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into to generally what happens in here. Although I say generally, but it is not difficult to cover everything that happens in this episode in a short amount of time. Um, but I'm sure folks will have things to jump in with. So um, when Jameson assigns Peter to interview a scientist claiming to be receiving radio signals from the center of the earth, he pouts about getting such a dumb assignment. What the (laughs) fuck? Oh, I'm sorry. We got to stop here immediately. Yeah. Like, the care okay because this this is a thing that's come up before right I think was it was it last week or the week before or the week before I think where it was like P- this Peter weirdly like doesn't care much about science all of a sudden mm-hmm. like I, I mean kind of out of like the first season it was a very classic Peter like I think that they would have some science things that he was interested in but this season it's almost like <laughs> anytime a science thing has ever come up Peter actively like has active disinterest in it and actively hates it. And it's just really, it's just a really weird character thing to put on him. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's it, unnecessary because I think in both cases in this episode and the other one was the, was in swing city. Like in both cases, like the, the weird, like some kind of weird science or science fictiony thing was like a part of the plot. And it would have been an easy in to have Peter investigate because he's interested in the science. And the fact that like, they actively introduce it and actively have a being like, I don't want to do the science. Like, it's just yeah. so bizarre because it's kind of unnecessary. Well, I think we're what we're seeing is like the specific Ralph Bakshi Peter Parker. Like he has mm-hmm. his own Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, and I think we're getting like a picture of what that is. And I think Ralph Bakshi's Peter Parker is just like a more stereotypical like teenager Mm-hmm. Um, than Peter Parker tends to be, which is weird because Peter Parker is like, in many ways, not your stereotypical Peter Parker. David, what are the vibes you're getting from this Peter Parker based on the the other maybe couple that you know? <laughs> yeah, not this episode, but he is uh, capital H horny almost all the time. Uh, a lot of the conflict in other episodes surrounds um, a hot little flame that he's interested in. And... Um, so far, Peter's yeah. been playing the field, which is also pretty wild, um, because I know a Peter Parker that only has eyes for one or two women in mm-hmm. the world. Um, so that's part of it. I also think that uh, Peter's more interested in fitting in, and fitting in in the late 60s is about playing sport. And so we have seen Peter play multiple sports, and we'll see him play more sports mm-hmm. uh, as the episodes go on. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that, the romantic interest, because I think that actually kind of sheds a light on 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 kind of the sort of dichotomy of like Peters because like the Peters that you have seen like the Tobey Maguire Peter is very like narrowly focused on like yeah. one girl love of his life mm-hmm. but like by this when this show was coming out 
the, you know, this is obviously the first cartoon adaptation. The only other Peter Parker's in the comics and Peter Parker of the comics has a million ladies that he's courting okay. at any given yeah. time. And, and there are other, other, you know, other Spider-Man adaptations are also like that too. Like other cartoons you'll watch. He is just either girls are either throwing themselves at him or he is asking out every girl he ever sees. Like, so it just sort of depends. And it's sort of funny that like this version of Peter Parker in the second season of this Spider-Man show specifically is doing, is very like girl of the week. Um, which does feel kind of akin to the comics in a way, even though they're not pulling characters from the comics, it does make a little more sense for, from the comics. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the weird thing though is in this show is that like, he doesn't follow up on it. It really is literally girl Mm -hmm. of the week instead of just multiple girls in his life at the same time. Yeah. Like none of them continue past a single episode. Yeah. If he were smooth in this show, he'd just be a fuck boy, but like he's sure. not. So it just ends up being, yeah, like girl of the week, but never succeeding with girl of the week. Um, it is interesting to have gotten the sort of like big picture, Peter Parker, because you do, <laughs> you start to see that Peter Parker is like that kid that you knew at some point who always was in a relationship, but you didn't really understand why, because you're like, <laughs> Why? 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 What? Like, what? What am I missing? What's going on with? What are you bringing to the table, man? Yeah. 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 Now, the other part, though, is this. Like, I guess when I think about other iterations of Peter Parker, I think about he's a little bit more of a nerd or an outcast. Mm -hmm. So it's the science stuff. It's sort of being bullied is Mm -hmm. is a big theme for Peter around. And I just am not seeing that in a significant way with this Peter. Yeah, yeah he's, it's, he's kind of the asshole in this show. He is an time. asshole. <laughs> Every time yeah. the Reddit thread says he's the asshole. <laughs> oh my God. Well, and it's it's wild because he's even kind of pissy about this assignment, which is sort of how we got on yeah. this tack. But he almost he almost seems pissier that Hammond gets to do it than the assignment that he got. He's really just mad he didn't get the bank thing. Yeah. Right. And that's that that can make perfect sense to me and and jive with any number of Peter Parkers, especially when you're in a Daily Bugle setting, especially if he ends up having like a rival uh, photographer, Mm. especially in this case, you know, his, I guess quarreling with a, a reporter, the the roles at this daily part or daily uh, uh, bugle. bugle. I almost said planet. Daily bugle are uh, are a little weird, but yeah, yeah, he wanted this like disappearing bank one. I guess it's like a sexier story. I guess so. Uh, that banks are disappearing, uh, but of course, <laughs> he discovers when he does actually follow through on his assignment that the radio signals are being sent by the people who are stealing banks. Yeah. So yeah. you fell right into it anyway, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I also didn't hear you all discuss this last time we saw the Daily Bugle, but this is a curvy building. It Um, is. And a lot of the other art is very geometrically like sharp. Mm -hmm. And this thing, this thing looks like this thing looks like Peter Parker should be hitting on it. What's what's going on with this bugle? I think it is meant to make it seem even taller than it is. Mm. I think it's supposed to be like a weird like perspective thing. But because it's all flat and because there's not actually a camera involved, yeah, I think it just ends up looking like a bizarre curved building. Okay. Yeah. Are you're ta- are you talking about like the interiors of the building or actually literally what the building looks like from the on the outside? I assume yeah, you mean just the, the outside, outside, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I, yeah. I think probably is all it is. I think what it probably is too is that um the daily any shots of the daily bugle is probably carried over from the first season which is a totally different animation mm. studio as this one so it probably stands out because it's not like it's literally not drawn 
by the same people who were drawing yeah. everything else in this show. Cause yeah, like there's even like you even see Spider-Man swing past the, um, like a, the geodesic dome from a couple episodes ago. That's like the power plant. Like you see him <laughs> swing by that again. Like, yeah, like a lot the architecture in this show, I think is different than the architecture in the first season, which was a lot more cartoony. Mm. So I imagine I, my guess is that like the Beagle is kind of a, the building is maybe kind of a carryover. So it like sticks out because it looks like more weird and cartoony than everything else in this show, you know, but not like surreal painting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not like MC Escher environments. Mm-hmm. I'm also obsessed with Betty Brandt. Um, I love you should, Peter you coming should up. Be. Yeah. <laughs> I love Peter coming up and saying, what's up? And her going, um, Mr. Jameson's up in the air. That is just a, a wild take uh, yeah. for this woman. Yeah. yeah. Betty Brandt is... I, I think a character that prior to this podcast, like I would have just been like, yeah, that's a character in the Spider-Man universe. And like, she's fine. But like, I, I love Betty Brandt just like as a character, she's yeah. almost always fantastic. And this one is certainly no exception. Uh, when she gets to, to like have a moment, it's usually a pretty good fun moment. I think it helps that in this show, like she's kind of the only woman that like has a job and a life, not related to Peter <laughs> Parker, you know, it like, help. It like because the only women we ever see in the show are her Aunt May, who's obviously Peter's aunt, and then Harriet. All the women, uh, all the women that Peter are trying to date, and then Harriet, um, <laughs> who we can talk about. Um, but like Betty's the only one who's sort of like Peter. Like whether Peter was in the picture or not, we know who she is. Like she yeah. is the secretary at the Daily Bugle, mm-hmm. who is the only person in the world who exists who can fire back at J. Jonah Jameson. You know, mm-hmm. which a- automatically makes her like miles above most characters in this show in terms of like depth. You know, yeah. Um, and and they don't really ever they don't really ever really do a disservice to her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't I mean partially because we don't really see her a lot in this season, but in the first season she was all over that. And, and I feel like they always let her do cool shit and say funny things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In the first season, she was often the last person. I don't know how often, but gave the impression that she was often the last person to speak in an episode by delivering yeah. like oh, a wow. punchline. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is this the same character that carries over is played by Elizabeth Banks in the Raimi films? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Wow. Okay. I did not uh, clock that until we were yeah, talking about this. A, uh, well, they don't really give her a lot to do in the Raimi movies. Right. Like she's a very, you know, I mean, partially because like in the Spider-Man comics, like she would fluctuate between being an important mm. character and a not important character depending <laughs> on the day, you know? <laughs> There's a whole chunk of the comic where she like runs away in like the most dramatic, amazing like fashion where it's just sort of like she's grieving so hard she can't live in the state anymore and she must leave and like she's just gone for that reason <laughs> and i yeah, love it wow. so much so yeah she <laughs> kind of comes in and out of the picture um but always in spectacular fashion yeah i love that <laughs> well i mentioned harriet i think she pops up here yeah I think, I think on his way to interview this scientist guy yeah um and and i i have to wonder David, because you 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 kept watching moving forward, right? Like it auto played moving oh. forward. I also I also went back to okay. the very beginning, not okay. the not season one, not season one, not yeah, season yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Just so you have seen Harriet more than just this time, <laughs> and and her husband Harry yeah. is is it Harry and Harriet? Harry and Harriet, yeah, yeah. yeah I googled these two, and Ooh, boy, great. if you put. If you put Harry and Spider-Man in, you're only getting Osborne. So yeah, yeah. 
Um, I couldn't find anything about these two. So I, I wrote on my list of things to get answers about who are these two and why yeah. do they keep showing up? Your guess is as good as ours. Really. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, we don't necessarily have like informed answers to that. I think they're probably some theories. Chris Cummins had a theory um, that it was sort of a reference to another show that was happening at the time. Laughing. Yeah. Mm. Um, I oh. Functionally, this doesn't speak to the characters themselves, but functionally, they have been used to cut swinging footage so that like break it up something so. yeah yeah break up some yeah. swinging footage um so that's kind of the the purpose they serve here but that doesn't really speak to who they are or why they are harry and harriet yeah yeah because it's got a real inverse kravitz situation right that the man is the one who sees spider-man the woman doesn't believe him mm-hmm. um and and thus always was from bewitched and in this case it's like weirdly a tweety bird reference because there's this weird bird that has a it's blue but it has a very tweety bird face yeah and then harry literally says i did i did see uh a man swing it's like what it's actually really (laughs) weird little thing to like sneak in there it's a funny little like kind of pop culture reference that they're making (laughs) yeah (laughs) but Uh, i loved them that's why i tried to find more information about them yeah yeah Yeah, i wish I'm, i'm curious i'm not sure how often they appear i mean they've appeared twice which makes you feel like they will at least appear a third time but i don't know i actually i'm not sure yeah um, me neither so well, we'll find out i hope so i hope, I hope, so. We, I hope they're the big bad i hope they're the like their bad. lives have been so in- i i hope harriet's life has been so inconvenienced by harry <laughs> constantly interrupting their goings-on by seeing this this you know spider-man that that she does not no, um, and she decides to seek him out and destroy him. I wow. love that. I love it. I think that's <laughs> great. I hope that's how well, it goes. There, Don't tell me, David. There, there's that new Miles Morales coming out uh, soon, so I, I suppose part two of Across the Spider Verse. Perfect. Your answers. I love it. <laughs> well, much to the dismay of this scientist who was really excited to give an interview to the Daily Bugle. Uh, Peter Parker dips out and is like, I guess I'm going to investigate the bank stuff instead. Sorry, guy. And he finds that another bank has disappeared. He sort of, you know, stakes it out and then sees it drop into the earth. Um, A hole, in fact, just a a massive building shaped hole uh, in the earth leading to seemingly the center of the earth. A great funny thing, though, is like when that first happens, Spidey's like, how can a solid building evaporate into nothingness? And I'm like, my dude, you saw it fall. Like, you literally saw it go down. Like, what are you talking about? And everyone's just sort of like, these banks are vanishing. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's giant hole there. What are you talking about? You almost should be able to clearly see what the story is here. (laughs) It's so funny because I even I knew that the episode was called Menace from the Bottom of the World. And I still just like took the words they were using and built mm-hmm. an assumption on that. I was like, okay, they are somehow being like teleported elsewhere. <laughs> and then right. it feels so obvious that no, they're just being dropped into the the bottom of the world. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> can can we jump back to Dr. Orloff's lab real quickly? Of course. Sure. Yeah. Um, because this was the first episode I watched and then I decided to watch more of these. Um, How many so times I didn't have under- you seen the lab now? <laughs> the lab, uh, um, I'm not going to reveal that because I don't want to spoil any Ooh, future episodes okay. for you. Um, but I, I was not aware in my first viewing mm-hmm. that um, Spider-Man's p- 
powers included super hearing. I guess I've never really been aware of that. And so Dr. Orloff is like, this is in a foreign language. And then all of a sudden it's just in English. And I was like, man, is he just like a really bad doctor or what? What's your deal, man? Well, a very funny thing about you saying you didn't know that Spider-Man had super hearing is that I think mere episodes ago, I said, I mean, it's not like super hearing is one of Spider-Man's powers. So... I look like but a it fool. Is, in fact. <laughs> it is, in fact. Well, then I'm glad to share company with you, Doug, yeah. because uh, I was really confused about what was going on there in the lab. Yeah, I I don't know exactly what we're supposed to take from that, like, zoom in that. on his ear. Um, I think I just walked away being like, I'm just going to interpret this as, like, he's listening really hard because the show does love to, like, linger on a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it does kind of seem like he is somehow interpreting. <laughs> His spider sense can can translate subterranean language. That's yeah. just, you know, it's spider sense. We sure. don't really know how I like it that works. Why not? I like that take. Yeah. Have you, uh, David, have you ever dabbled in sp- the 1979 Spider-Woman cartoon? I have not. Uh, a fun thing about that show, because she's not Peter Parker and she's not Spider-Man, is that sometimes she'll just use a power and you're like, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I don't know that you don't have that power. Um, <laughs> and it's always some sort of like, ah, yes, my spider vibrations or my super spidey wow. voice. Like, it's always something just totally out of the blue. It's great. My shallow spider breath. <laughs> right. My very shallow spider breath. <laughs> is she kind of like every X-Man put together? That's kind of fun. I yeah. love that. Just whenever the plot needs it. Mm-hmm. And then I just had to I had to grab this quote because it was just too wild. Uh, Holy cats! These are the birds causing the problem. Love it. Um, just cats and birds together. That's it's too much. Sixties. It's too much. I love oh, it. I love. I love holy cats. I want to. I want to bring holy cats back. I think that that Do should it. be a thing. That's um, funny because I walked away from this being like, I want to bring birds back. How can I start calling groups of people birds? That's true. Without being offensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cause, Wait, cause how bird, would that be offensive? Because birds, I, I bumped birds on that is too. like a I way to, to... We ran into this with a Pokemon tournament. Oh, for old tournament. ladies? No, not yeah. even for old ladies, but like to... Ref, it's like chicks, kind of, isn't it? Um, but like in, in England? In, <laughs> in British, it's like young women. It's like... Yeah. But it's like a way to say like hot young women that you oh, don't like Oh, wow. Do. Okay, so I had the reverse. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I, I don't know what your tastes are, Derek. Yeah, That's fair. You, you That's fair. That's fair. Hot yeah. women of all ages. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. That's good to know. We yeah. learned something today. Yeah. That does make it a little hard though, doesn't yeah. it? Cause but it came off so smooth. It. Like it not, not smooth in like a, a cool way, but just like, just said it like nothing. Like it just was, yeah. you know, of the time. And it sounded kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Just like throwing out animals to represent things in language. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's yeah. just something fun about that. I do yeah. think cats is one that you could pretty easily bring yeah. back, both in holy cats and to refer to people. I think there are still some folks who cool cats refer to uh, that you know that cat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. wild cats. Sure. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could work that in if you really wanted yeah. to. We'll work on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I I I like, but this episode doesn't really explore all that much. It's a pretty classic Spidey thing where when he shows up to the site of the missing bank. Um, he sort of like lingers and thinks and then other people witness him being there and he's like, oh shoot, I can't let these people see me or else they're going to blame it on me. Yeah. And I was like, interesting place for this to go. I didn't think we were going to get like a frame Spider-Man situation, but how classic. Um, but I mean, he kind of just jumps in there and no one ever really sees him there and it's fine. 
Well, I did. Um, when I watched it with headphones on, you can hear um, some background. There's the crook before he jumps in. So yeah. I think it was oh. setting up exactly what you're talking about, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure, it was one of those situations where, you know, the, the villain runs away, but Spidey's still on the scene. Yeah. Um, very, very classic Spider-Man thing, but doesn't really doesn't entirely go there. No. Um, I, you... I did like that one of the people was just a baker. Uh, there goes the baker with his bread like always. Like he yeah. was just running <laughs> to the bank. He was doing it. Yeah, it's great. I like that guy. I also love that Spider-Man, instead of just like jumping down the hole, web swings down the hole <laughs> just so that they can use more web swinging animation. I don't know. That just tickled me. It was funny. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of web swinging, uh, because I've watched so many of these episodes, I don't know if you all noticed this, but now every time we get... A swing that's not the citywide swing. Uh-huh. The there's a new added thwipping noise every time. Oh. Every time. If I hadn't noticed it prior to this episode, I certainly noticed it this episode. I also did the thing that I I kicked myself for not doing in a previous episode, and I did time how much he was web swinging in this episode mm-hmm. um, with with a lovely little timer. I did not time how much. He was running because I didn't anticipate that being quite as much. I also didn't time how much he just stood there and observed his surroundings. But I did time how much time was spent on screen swinging. And if you want to guess, go for it. Otherwise, I'll just tell you. At least one full minute. Oh, at least 60 seconds. I was going to go for like two four, five, six, seven minutes. He is swinging on screen for at least four and a half full minutes. Four and a half full minutes. And yeah. these are 21 minute episodes with one minute for the opening credits and one minute for the closing credits. So it's yeah. literally like a 19 minute or yeah, like 19 minute episode and four of those minutes are devoted to just web swinging. Honestly, it's less than I thought it would be based on yeah. how the episode feels probably because there's also the running and standing around. But yes, yeah. the thwipping noise is now essential. Um, it's constant. If it weren't before and you, you can't not notice it because it's the same web swinging sequence over mm-hmm. and over with the same sound effects over and over. I mean, this show is going to be this show though, and change the yeah. backgrounds and like there's yeah. a progression oh, yeah. as he moves deeper and deeper in the earth where they add more and more to the background, which, you know, I, I still think is a cool thing. The show does. If mm-hmm. it's going to pad out, you know, it's story with these web swinging sequences, it still tells a story or at least progresses uh, yeah. his movement. I think that like this, this is actually a situation that kind of, um, if if it wasn't a thing that was done in every, and we you know we know for a fact that it was done because of budget and everything that was right. constraints are under right like there's no 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 bones about that. But if if this were if it were a situation where that wasn't a thing that every episode did, if any episode were to have a lot of Spidey web swinging and just to show off the backgrounds, this would be the one. Yeah, because yeah. like the backgrounds in this episode are kind of amazing. Like everything that they do with the environment that he's in throughout it, like mm-hmm. that's what that is what makes this episode. You know, like that is the selling point of this episode is just the the paintings that they make yeah. of these bizarre environments that are at the center of the earth. Yeah, it's easy to imagine a version of this episode that gets to do everything back. She would have wanted to do mm-hmm. with all the budget in the world, you know, mm-hmm. like it still gives you the impression of exactly the, the kind of story he wanted to tell. 
Um, yeah. Well, I mean, he still gets to with, tell it, but like the grand version of it. With the name drop of Jules Verne, I did think we were setting ourselves up for some journey to the center of the earth stuff. Um, and that's why when I saw the vegetation and, and things, that mm-hmm. made a lot of sense. Yeah. Because isn't isn't that what happens in Journey to the Center? Like, like, they like, like prehistoric like, forests, stuff, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. I think it's there's the prehistoric vegetation world. and everything. Yeah. But I think the difference, like, this almost takes, like, I mean, it's still Jules Verne. Well, no. Because I think this sort of takes a little bit. I get vibes of, like, H.G. Wells' time machine a little mm. bit, too, with the subterranean dudes. Um, I feel like, so I feel like it's maybe combining those two things a little bit okay. um but i mean i like definitely jules Verne was like the inception of the idea it was like what if spider-man went to the center of the earth and it was a whole other weird environment yeah. and then they instead of it being like dinosaurs it's like weird like fantasy creatures and that's stuff that's right yeah. they were dinosaurs that's what it was yeah. i am obsessed with the line it's like a character out of jules verne not a specific work by jules verne just that's out so of true. jules verne <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That I think I did me. the math on that one. That's that's what he actually says, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like a character out of Jules Verne. Yeah. Um, Not a story. Wow. Out of an out wow. of an author. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it makes sense though because Jules Verne's stuff is all about characters who are normal people who then yeah. you know go on an adventure in some weird far out place somewhere that just happens to also be within Earth. Yeah. Like. Oh, it makes, it makes perfect sense. sense. It's just, just a very a funny, funny way sentence. To put it. <laughs> yeah. Character out of Jules Verne. Um, well, as he's traveling through the subterranean uh, caves and, and openings and all sorts of places, um, he gets chased by some weird birds. Uh, he runs into a giant stone god, as he calls it, uh, and he karate chops sure. some guys. The, I do like the giant, like, blue stone guard dude. I he's think really he's fucking cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah, what if his? What if he wasn't saying god, he just suddenly got a really thick accent? <laughs> Look at that giant stone god. <laughs> I heard guard. So you saying god, I was like, oh, that is probably what he said. I did the math and I was like, oh, it's a giant guard. Yeah. Um, you're right. Yeah. It was probably god. My bad. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, no, now I, I'm I less thought, confident. I, I thought he said guard too, but I don't know if that if I had the subtitles on the last time I watched it. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. it's both. I mean, it's kind of both, right? Like it's it's definitely a guard, but I think you could also read it as a giant stone god at the same time. Sure. Like I think both of those things work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love the karate chopping action. It's so goofy. These mm-hmm. guys are just like they 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 zoom in on these dudes' faces, really to stress that they're literally just standing there doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love Spider Man just like sneaking up behind them and just <laughs> chopping the fuck out of them. Yeah, oh, it's so funny. And they do it twice. They do it to the exact same sequence twice in a row. Oh, of course, <laughs> so the um, the the first Mole Man guard falls to his death. Right, like he's oh, he's dead. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I yeah. guess we don't know how strong and resilient these subterraneans are, but that dude's dead. <laughs> dude's yeah, certainly like, what, dead. Like, could Spider-Man fall that far and be alive? That's a question you'll get answered in a few episodes. Great. Great. <laughs> Place your bets. <laughs> yeah. I'm pe- I'm betting he dies. I'm betting that's oh, okay. that's well, how it goes. Yeah. Might be an improvement. <laughs> yeah. I really I really um I love the design of the like mole man dudes, mm. the subterraneans. I think that they're really cool looking. They're fun, and what's particularly fun is that you know, whether this was part- specifically the goal or not, or the, the idea or not, I do feel like the further he goes, 
the more you sort of see a progression or at least a diversity in the subterraneans. Like they mm. don't all look exactly the same. Yeah. Um, they, mm. they kind of do when they're in a group, but as he moves to a next stage, it's sort of like, Oh, now they kind of have longer hair or, Oh, now they kind of, you know, yeah. uh, move in this particular way versus that particular way. So I thought that was neat. They're, they're not all exactly identical. Yeah. Which is what I would have expected. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're sort of what we're giving me, like the HG Wells vibes, like more like how I could see mm-hmm. Morlocks being portrayed or something, because they're like they're like kind of people. It's not like it's not like people, but apes or something like <laughs> wow. that. Or people, but kind animal. of people. <laughs> no, you know what I mean, though, right? I do, like, I do. They're meant to be humanoid, but they're obviously meant to be very different from humans. But it's yeah. not like they just like made an animal version of a human. Like they're kind of their own thing. Like mm-hmm. they're these like blue furry dudes yeah. with like this like bright yellow like outline around their around these like red pupils. Like. Yeah. it's a really distinct design that I, it's really cool. And I love, I just love how colorful it is because in this show, there's a lot of color in this show, but it's a lot mm-hmm. of these like very like kind of dark, uh, you know, dark and like watercolor type things. And then these sort of like, just they stick out the subterranean mole men dudes. Like they just stick out because there's such bright saturated colors that they're like literally just primary colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The opposite of what you would expect going deeper and deeper into the darkness of the earth. Yeah. Yes. And I share your love with them. Um, they are called mole men. I don't see any moldness in them whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I love them for who they are. They just need to, they, they can have an okay different name. Do they call them mole men in this episode? They don't in this, they call them mole men in a future episode. Okay. This is a gotcha. future episode called battle with the mole men. But in this episode, you're right. They are just called subterraneans. Which okay. Is really interesting. That's much better. I like that much better. I yeah. think the mole men thing is just a reference to just like pop culture. Like, you know, yeah. there are like mole men in Marvel comics and there's mm. mole men in sci-fi that it's like anyone that lives underground or just referred to as mole men rather than Got literally him. looking like moles. Um, I like the, I like subterraneans as a better name for them though, because I think it's more indicative of like what they actually are, you know? I think it's a better name. I don't know that it's like a cool name. (laughs) I think it's a cool name. I think it's a perfectly fine, exactly definition, descriptive name of something under the earth. (laughs) Subterranean is kind of a cool, I don't know. It's just a cool sounding word, I guess. I I like the word subterranean. Sure. Sure. Um, so ultimately he ends up at this, I guess, like kind of temple thing. I don't really know what else mm, to call it. It's it kind of like a great like hall. Like a um, city capital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The city capital of the, the impossible to follow geometry and geography of this, uh, subterranean <laughs> land, which I love. Uh, yeah. It looks very cool. Um, and, and what he finds there is a bunch of hostages, basically, including Hammond, the reporter that was sent to investigate the bank. So Hammond goes on this, you know, assignment and basically ends up uh, in the center of the earth, captured by the subterraneans, which is I think funny. what's really funny about the Hammond thing is that, mm-hmm. like, we only ever get Peter's perspective and Peter, like... Seem, just hates this Hammond guy and thinks he's like stuck up or whatever. Hammond, I don't even know if Hammond even knows who Peter is because they never like interact at all. And then all that happens to Hammond is that he like does his job and then gets kidnapped and yeah. tries to, and tries to like get it's and it's not even like he's like free me. He's like free me and all of these people like yeah. on behalf of my. I am standing up trying to free everyone. Like he's trying to do good. Like he doesn't do anything wrong. And yet like because because Peter doesn't like him, it's supposed to be like yeah fuck this Hammond guy. Oh yeah, they they want him to to mess him up, and I want these subterraneans to be like a, to to be like picking at him and annoying him and stuff. And it's like, what did this guy do to you, Peter? I don't know what's what's his problem. That's what Peter <laughs> does. Like he just tells us people are awful, and we don't see them being awful. <laughs> yeah. 
So justice for Hammond is what I'm I hearing guess so. you say. Honestly, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Justice yeah, for listen. a number of characters in this show that Peter just hates <laughs> and throws a basketball at in a really <laughs> rude way. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's this, the the sort of main antagonist uh, is this guy named the leader, for lack of any other real name, just the leader of the subterraneans. Um, and Hammond, like you said, is like just a, a probably above average dude in this situation because he's the one that speaks up and against the leader being like what the heck man you're never going to get away with this like let us go like he's the one taking any kind of action outside of spider-man um but i do love this interaction because hammond is like you'll never get away with this the leader responds oh yeah who will stop me like (laughs) not in any sort of like especially expressive way yeah and then spider-man just appears and you're like ah yes of course like who could have seen it coming i i do like the leader like referring to the humans as all you pasty face surface people <laughs> yeah well see they're not green-skinned derek is the thing yeah, yeah. um so his prejudice is well known that's yeah. true yeah yeah that's actually a clue to the identity of who the leader actually really is. See, there, there are layers here. Yeah. There are layers to MPL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, that actually. No. Okay. Seriously though. Cause if it actually, if it wasn't just a dude under a costume, they would be commenting on them being like hairless or something. Right. Like right. they wouldn't be calling them pasty faced. Like that's a very like human with skin thing to say. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or not human yeah. with skin. I guess we all have skin. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Humans who are mostly exposed. Yes. <laughs> yes. A human which that, that does not have hair covering all of that skin <laughs> everywhere. Thick hair covering it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Spider-Man swoops in. He knocks a bunch of subterranean heads together. Um, there is a, there, like, there is an amazing animation like a, a running cycle oh, that the subterraneans so good. do. Good. It's I'm, this. like, oh I was happy when they reused it five times because yeah. it, it's so pretty to look at. Like, I know that's like the most fluid animation the show's ever done is just the fucking subterranean. You're just running. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. It's fantastic. And, and this is where, when you talked about the evolution of these, of these creatures, yeah. you get such a different version of the running subterranean oh, than yeah. we have seen with others. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's not even just that the animation is like smooth or particularly detailed. It's like how they run too. It's like mm-hmm. this sort of like flailing, more animalistic run than you would sort of mm-hmm. expect from a humanoid creature. Um, it's so good. And you're right, Derek. I was happy to see it over and over. I would have re-round, rewound and watched it a bunch anyway. So thank you for yeah. just showing it to me a bunch. It's it's interesting, too, because you know, as I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, wow, this really was an episode where they were using as little budget and as possible and creating as few new resources as possible. But then you get down here and you're like, oh, shit, they just spent a lot of time on this. Like they put their resources mm-hmm. into these subterraneans and how they look and how they move and their environment. And it was kind of an interesting sort of surprise twist at the end, not story wise, but like asset wise. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I also loved the camera work when we zoomed in on the the running figure to help raise the stakes. Um, things that you would do to sort of make a reuse shot more mm-hmm. interesting were actually utilized here where it was not used during web swinging earlier. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that this show does 
well. It does it in different ways because it will do certain things during web swinging um, to make things more interesting. But like, there's always some way that they reuse a shot differently than they used it the first mm-hmm. time. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a thing that has continued to be present every episode yeah. we've watched. So it is it is a, a big piece of this show's personality is creatively reusing. Uh, or transforming reused uh, shots or animation. Yeah, I will say, um, I don't know if this is a counterpoint or if maybe it actually just supports what you're saying, but there's like a bit with like the leader when, you know, there's a lot of shots of just the leader like yelling at people. Um, And there's one bit, like this show likes to do a thing where like if it's, you know, if if a character is hit by like a ray beam that's supposed to show them being weak or dizzy, for example, it'll spin the cell, right? Oh. In this Uh case the leader is just talking and he's angry and then they just spin the cell and fade it to black. So I guess abstractly represent that everyone is just being, you know, terrified by this guy yelling at him. And that's supposed to represent your fear is just the spinning frame on the screen. <laughs> no, it's horrible. And back, she needs to stop spinning frames like this. It's bad. I don't like it. And I don't want to see it. I was so mad when they did that. <laughs> Like you're spinning us out to commercial for what? <laughs> Just to make us yeah. all barf? <laughs> I really hated this as well. It, um, it does it suck. No, me... I'm I'm I was being so very nice trying to find out a, but a I way to it. artistically um justify it, but it is just like calm the fuck down, dude. Just fade to black. <laughs> you're right though. I mean that is what he is trying to do, but that's a yeah. thing that is that you have to accept with the show is like Bakshi just trying shit and yeah. a lot of it landing and some of it just not landing at all. And the spinning yeah. thing is not landing, sir. <laughs> Please stop doing it. <laughs> yeah. That said, I like the design of the leader a lot too. Me too. Like the fact that he has like a mane, which obviously makes him stand out, right? And then yeah. he has like this big angry eyebrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this big angry eyebrow. It's so funny it's with the great. little horns. He's got little horns. Like it doesn't like I don't understand the biology of how these creatures work at all. Like it doesn't Man, really make any sense. It also yeah. doesn't matter because he's a fake dude. Um, but it's just it's such a fun design to make him look like everyone else, but stand out as like the main leader, you know. But that's the thing is, if he, if he weren't a fake dude, I would still sort of buy the right. like right, yeah. design language. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it totally makes do sense. Do we need yeah. to understand the biology? No, but we see this more decorated, more maned version of these subterraneans, and you're like, oh yeah, that's somebody significant, you know? Yeah, he also gets to wear like really unique clothing. Yeah, I, I buy that he's the leader. I think that they elect leader based on eyebrow emotiveness, and he's got it. I love that for their culture, and I'd love to be yeah. part of it. <laughs> you you want us to employ an eyebrow based society? No, no, no. I want to leave human oh, okay. society and and be a part of their eyebrow based society. Got it. Distinction. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> Heard and understood. <laughs> well, we've alluded to it a bunch of times, but um, the leader is a fake dude. Uh, Spidey pulls the mask off in a very, like you said, Scooby-Doo fashion. And it is this guy recognized, I think by Hammond, um, as Muggs Riley, an infamous bank robber who happens to be green. <laughs> yeah. Someone we've never met before. Um, okay. I was wondering about that. About. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, no prison could hold him. He cried before tunneling out of a prison. Yeah. Um, so I liked that. He tunneled all the way down to this society. Honestly, impressive. Maybe yeah. actually a supervillain more so than we realized. It's true. He's the tunneler. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, yeah, I like, I do like the idea of 
a bank robber escapes prison by tunneling and just accidentally tunnels too deep and ends up Incredible. in the center of the earth. I think that that's actually really, really funny and like a clever, like very old, kind of old school, like sh- sci-fi short story thing plot, right? Like it doesn't really, like it doesn't make sense, but like it doesn't have to. It's just the weird fantasy of it. Like really, honestly, like I love this and my only criticism is just that like, why didn't they just ha- set up Muggs Riley at the beginning of the episode, have someone mention a story about Muggs Riley escaping? Because yeah. the thing is, I still wouldn't have connected the dots because there's no reason to think that it, this is going to be a Scooby-Doo ending. Like, mm-hmm. you are literally meeting subterraneans. They are real. There are really creatures living at the center of the Earth of the whole the secret society. Out. That's not a fake out. The fake out is just that the leader they're following was like a dude in a costume that was tricking them, which I love that idea for a story. And, and I know that they can only go but so deep in this show because of the limited you know the constraints and limited budget they have but at the very least since they're literally working in a newspaper just have someone mention a story about Muggs Riley escaping the prison so then it's sort of like oh my god I thought that was just like a random thing that was being mentioned I didn't realize that was actually like setting up like the reveal at the end of this episode you know all it would take is like Jameson praising Hammond for the story on Muggs Riley escaping here's yeah. your next assignment and that's yeah. like it would take no time at all yeah, it's it's so weird that they like missed that. I don't really yeah. understand how that happened. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really surprised that this show in particular missed that, but I do think it eh. would be the kind of thing that would make the writing like 12 times more elegant than it is with just one line, you know? Right, right. How did Spider-Man even know to unmask this person? Spider-Man seems to engage with a lot of people, mm-hmm. even if they have masks, that taking the mask off would not be any purpose. Uh, it was just, it was all very weird to me. You've said it a few times, but the Scooby-Doo of it all, like that's just not this character to me. Yeah, I don't think we get any clues no. to how Spider-Man knows this is a fake guy. Right. I think that like, I mean, there's, I think you can do a lot of work and read between the lines that that I think could have very easily been in the episode, because I do think that there is something really clever about the idea of like, out of nowhere, these people who've been living for probably centuries below the earth, just start like stealing banks. Like that's such a specific thing. And I could see Spider-Man just being like, why would these dudes care about money and like gold from up top? Like they're not, it doesn't seem like they're even like right now. It doesn't, that has nothing to do with like taking over the world. They're just stealing banks. That doesn't make any sense. That seems like a very human thing to do Mm. Ergo, maybe this is actually Mm. a human that's tricking them, you know, especially if they only started doing this recently. Like I can see how the dots are connected, but none of those are connected on screen. Spider-Man just shows up and is sort of like, I've solved this mystery. And I'm like, I didn't know there was a mystery to begin with. I thought you were just fighting mole men. (laughs) I was so, I mean, this was so late in the episode and and it's a twist that like leading up to it, I was like, I don't know where this episode is going to go or how it's going to be resolved. And then that happens. Like it's so, so late and there's so little lead up that, you know, it wants to be a little guy inside of a big guy, but it just doesn't have the same punch. Yeah, right, right. You know? Yeah. But I, I like I love the ideas of it. I feel like there's a there's a really good version of this episode that I agree. could exist very easily. I agree. Yeah. These these are um David, one of my favorite things to do with the sixties show is sort of like adopt these sixties specific villains and pretend that I will ever write fan fiction about them. And uh, every once in a while there's one where I'm like, no, nah, we can leave that one. 
I'm I'm adopting these guys. I like these guys. Yeah. The Subterraneans are great. Yeah. The leader's great. Muggs Riley's great. Would love to somehow have them intersect again uh, because they're pissed at him. They don't like yeah. him when they find out that he's one, not real, and two, was manipulating them to steal from the surface, something they never felt any compulsion to do and seemingly goes against their values. So in what way that he manipulated them, we don't fully know, but it, it seemingly was big enough and and done well enough that they are like sacrificing a piece of their sort of values as a culture to do this. Like they are pissed at this guy. And I, yeah, I mean, I really, I I know spoiler, they, they do appear again in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but we'll talk about that when we get to it, but in the context of this specific episode, like their innocence. And I think that they're pretty chill, honestly, because they like, realize that they've been tricked and they're sort of like okay sorry y'all we're not going to steal from you we didn't really care about this it was just him telling us to do it so yeah bye you can leave like it's like, <laughs> like mugs riley it's like the human like you know like completely like in, in infiltrating this cult this culture is the villain of this episode like the subterraneans are pretty fine like they're they really lives. didn't do anything wrong they, yeah, yeah. They, they genuinely were victims as much as the people who were kidnapped in the bank were yeah and then I mean, there's not much left after that. The subterraneans are pissed enough that uh, Muggs can't really do anything in his fight against Spider-Man. So Spider-Man, you know, flips off with them now agreeing to give everything back, um, which they presumably will do in the future. And the episode kind of closes up there. Yeah. When the episode ends, somebody says, where's Spider-Man? Oh, he's gone. And these people are just there in the underground city Mm -hmm. um, alone. Yeah. I think. I think, yeah. Well, I mean, yes, that okay. doesn't make any sense. However That's they really get weird. the buildings back up there, I guess yeah. is how they're getting uh, the people back I, up there. I think <laughs> the subterraneans are sort of like, okay, we'll make you, you know, we'll make you a nice guest room while we work okay. on our stuff to bring it back. And then we'll, we'll take you all back together, yeah. you know, first thing in the morning and they how have a nice like little dinner. Tea? They're all really chill. I would, I would hang out with the subterraneans. They seem like really fun dudes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The yeah. subterraneans kind of have that vibe of like an early Star Trek villain you hear a bunch about. Mm-hmm. And then in a future season, they're like, no, actually, they're just like normal people. And some of them are bad sometimes. Like that's yeah. kind of the vibe yeah. the subterraneans have in this episode. Yeah, I like that. They are fun. They're nice. Yeah. I, I I buy I buy your little guest room situation. Yeah. yeah, I love that they probably designed something to take buildings down, but need to like re-engineer it to put them back up. Yeah. Right. It's going to take a little time. Yeah, because why would they ever expect to put buildings on the surface they're trying to pull them underground you know right. so they're not going take some time to bring back them. up there it's not like they yeah. need yeah. to go up there to get them so right exactly exactly yeah <laughs> i mean spider-man's not gonna bring hammond back up because no. spider-man fucking hates hammond because he's yeah, the hammond's worst right evil person look at, did you see that, that like red checkered suit he was wearing <laughs> only an asshole would wear that i liked i liked that jacket i liked yeah. that such a comic a book yeah. suit yeah, I love this outfit's great. I love yeah. it so much. <laughs> yeah. It is another interesting instance of creating a character for an episode where a character that already existed could have been used. Like there's no mm. reason Hammond needed to be created for this. There are other Daily Bugle employees from the comic they could have dropped in here, which we see yeah. a lot with like the women um in Peter's classes or like the bullies or rivals that Peter encounters in the show. Um, yeah. So really growing cast of these one-off ordinary people in addition yeah. to the one-off extraordinary villains. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah. I will say too, I'm just going to throw this out here just for coverage. Cause I know that there are some places online 
that said that this was one of the episodes that used some Rocket Robin Hood footage, and I couldn't find that it actually did. I don't oh, know that that's. I don't think. I don't think that that's true because I actually I've spent some time scrubbing <laughs> through some Rocket Robin Hood episodes that I could find. Um, and like when it, when, when this show uses that footage, which I don't think we've gotten to yet, um, there's a couple episodes, you know, coming up that, that it's like very obvious, like what you can go through Rocket Robin and it's like, yep, that's the Spider-Man episode right here. Um, I don't think this episode does. And I think people maybe postulated that, or if it does, maybe they use like a background or something that's mm-hmm. not as recognizable, um, which I don't think counts as much because that's just recycling assets that your company has. Yeah. Um, but I think that people maybe suggested that because this episode, I think as weird as this show is. I do think that this is a marked um, upgrade in weirdness from the previous four episodes of the season, you know, mm-hmm. and and so people probably are sort of like, well, this feels fucking out of nowhere. So I bet this is from the other from the sci-fi show. Um, when in reality, I think this maybe is kind of like a weirdly important episode in like really signifying that very hard shift into like sci-fi fantasy yeah. that this show is going to be doing now, like much more. Like, I feel like the first four episodes, you know, even with the, the, the past two episodes are, were weird, but like, they were very, like they were still kind of comic booky science mm. fiction. Yeah. This one is like, there are certain comic books that would do this, but not usually Spider-Man stories. Yeah. Um, like this feels more, what I think we're probably going to be seeing more of going forward, which is just a lot more bizarre, you know? That's really fascinating, Derek, because I, I, I didn't even think about that until now as well. Like, I don't think about Spider-Man as somebody who is in a fantasy world. Yeah. Um, I think about him being tethered to science fiction, like this capital S science mm-hmm. part of the science fiction. And you're right. This does, I mean, the, the underground god or guard giant, the <laughs> some probably magically oriented, the giant crow things, um, which felt very magical. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk I about those. I have to apologize for blasting past the crows. Uh, yeah, we didn't talk me. about those. I love like the jet black <laughs> crows that chase him. They're like They're shadow so creatures, cool. kind They're, of. Because I mean, calling them crows isn't doing it justice. They're like these weird, like kind of like vulturey, dinosaury crow type hybrid things. Yeah. They're really cool looking on. Honestly, like, well, they're, they're kind really of scary, kind of abstract for yeah. this environment. I mean, I know we're talking about Spider-Man being already in a in an odd environment, having this be so fantasy oriented. But as far as like designs go, or as far as like how you know living things are are portrayed in this series, like this is a a pretty far departure to just be yeah. like these flat black, almost shadow like creatures. Yeah, that's what I thought might have come from Rocket Robin Hood was those crows because I read the same thing you read, Derek. Yeah. Um, and I watched two minutes of an episode of Rocket Robin Hood and I said, nope, um, <laughs> this, this can be a mystery for Derek and Doug to figure out. Yeah. Well, that I will say too, Rocket Robin Hood is sort of interesting. I do want to like actually watch some episodes of it because it's that's a show that like if you scrub through it the art style does evolve very drastically just like with this show. Like once Bakshi comes on board working for it, suddenly the show looks wildly different. Like early episodes of Rocket Robin Hood look like an old cartoon. And then like, you know, late second season through third season, suddenly it looks like heavy shadows, detailed character Mm -hmm. designs very much like this one does. And like, looks very different, a little more (laughs) surreal because that's just what Bakshi just fucking injects into everything he does. I love Um, that so much. Yeah. So, Yeah, I I am. I I mean, I I definitely will watch like there's two episodes that we're going to that that we will eventually cover one in this batch. And I think another one and then in in a later batch of episodes will cover that. Like I'm going to watch absolutely watch the Rocket Robin episodes to like 
really compare and contrast what they use and don't use. Yeah. Um, but cause it does, it does actually look like a really interesting show in some regards. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, it's 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 the 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 fact that Spider-Man is more connect the Spider-Man cartoon is more connected to like a science fiction like space show that's a very like 60s science fiction than it is really like a comic book by this point is I think what yeah. makes this show so fucking fascinating and weird. Yeah. Yeah. So we mentioned a whole bunch about the subterranean's faces. No surprise one of them uh, is the face of the episode. I chose the moment where they're getting chopped because their expression upon being chopped is very funny to me um, because they really truly are just minding their own business and Spider-Man chops the fuck out of them. Um, oh but also there's this frame. Remember when we said this show does sick shit with shadows? Yes. There's just one really moment good. in this episode where Spider-Man is like perched on the side, of, like the wall of the hole, basically. Like as he's... Mm-hmm going underground and he just like stops and perches for a moment and it's just this entirely backlit no detail of the suit or anything barely detail of the mask um figure just deeply in shadow red rim lighting essentially uh dark sort of almost what you would expect from daredevil like shot of mm-hmm. uh, spider-man yeah oh that's cool as so hell. true yeah. Is this um is the background also red? Is this like a monochromatic situation? Like it's very yeah, unnerving. Yeah, it's it's all it's like all red and blacks. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. It's it's all red and blacks everywhere. And it's like fucking unnecessary because it wasn't like yeah. like he literally just shows up underground. Like it's there's no reason for it to go this hard and it does. He just <laughs> tries shit. And like sometimes it has nothing to do with anything, and sometimes it's also cool. Um and this happens to be one of those moments. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is funny. I mean, it's 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 it is interesting because I, I do think that this this is one of those episodes where it's like very clear that like even within the budget constraints, Bakshi is definitely like really trying hard to try different things and yeah. be artistic in some way. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to watch it. It's fascinating to see that conf- con confluence of like two different sides of like someone trying to like. I think because he's making creative work, he has to make these creative workarounds in Mm. order to experiment. It makes him experiment more, Mm. if that makes sense. And so you end up getting sick shit like this, where it's sort of like, there's no reason, again, there's no reason for a shot like that to go that hard. There's no reason for these character designs (laughs) to look like this. You know, there's no reason to do this, these weird paintings, but like, you know, fucking bougie love budget, right? Like you have to fucking have, like you have, you have to deal with the budget that you're under. And that's the only way that you can, uh, like make it look in any way artistic and that ends up creating like these like just interesting moments of like stuff that I think a show that had a lot of budget maybe wouldn't try because they don't need to yeah. and you end up getting like weirdly like more pieces of art out of this than you might out of a show that actually did have a lot of money behind it you know yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense I love yeah. it when it happens have you already talked about Bakshi's uh, production studio like that's who's running mm-hmm. Spider-Man in seasons two and three right yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Indeed. Indeed. It's exciting stuff. I really do need to check out other stuff of his because this is the only thing I've seen. Um, and I know it's it's hit or miss, but like honestly, some of the stuff he does in this show is hit or miss. So I, I think mm-hmm. I'm primed. Yeah. I would love to be there while you watch Fritz the Cat if I could. <laughs> um, that would make me I keep really, hearing really so happy. much about Fritz the Cat. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a without, lot. Without, without Fritz the Cat, you don't have anything that we love and enjoy as as men today wow. 
Um, I would I would pause it wow. as a, as an argument. You I don't, don't have know. to enjoy you don't have to enjoy Fritz the Cat, but I think yeah. that it was remarkably important to have happened. Interesting. I guess that's fair. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Because that, that Bakshi started like a bidding war with employees. Like he paid them at the time, like more money and how he got, how he got all these people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I assume that they were working on this, even though this had a low budget and then went on to move work on the film, which is only like two or three years out from this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things we talked about in the, in the first episode of this season was like, he's his studio ended up being known for like treating employees better, giving more opportunities to like minorities and women yeah. in animation than like any other studio at the time was like, I think it makes sense. You know what? If it's sort of like, if you're going to get low budget to Bruce these episodes anyway, then like put the budget in the humans that are making them rather than like the product, because like it's going to be, it's going to be a mess either way. So at least pay people a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. Well, we, uh, we kind of know the answer to this question already, David, but since this is the first time you were watching this show, um, you know, I, I'm inclined to ask, based on this episode, would you continue watching episodes of the show? We know that you have, but yeah. did you because of this episode, or was it truly just, oops, autoplay? You know, I desperately want to keep up with the podcast this season. Um, and so since I know where you all are going, um, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I was aware of the content and I had a blast in the first few. And I will look forward to listening to you talk about the next few. Um, and then maybe maybe I won't. Of all the Spider-Man shows that. we've ever covered, I don't know if this is the one that I would say you really need to keep up with every episode to follow along with our podcast. <laughs> you know, yeah, 100%. Uh, but I will say to Doug, timer situation earlier and uh, not including the running and standing around Mm. this is an easy thing to have on while you need to be focusing on something else because you only need to tune in every couple minutes or so (laughs) yeah if that if we're being honest oh yeah if that because again uh just just for a glimpse into your future um some of not only are we going to reuse some of the scenes Mm -hmm. but we're going to start to reuse some of the plots and you've already seen it from the last two y'all have covered uh we've been in the air twice now Uh oh man Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The show is not interested in being on the surface of the earth. Above it, below it, both yeah. fine. On it, it's we're pretty over boring. It. It's pretty boring here, so I don't yeah. blame them. Let's escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. It was a blast having you here. I'm glad that we got you to watch some Spider-Man with us. Thank you. Uh, I hope it was a pleasure. <laughs> It was a real treat. Thank you for thank you for introducing this into my life. And um, you know, you spurned the Arnold household into watching um, some films because it was a rainy day the other day. Ah. And because Mike watched this with me, he said, "Can we watch something good with Spider Man in it?" And uh, <laughs> so we went back to some old movies. Nice, nice. I feel so influential in your household. I feel like really I have are. so much influence over your television Doug, habits. I, I'm actually a little bit worried that Mike's going to leave me for Doug, um, <laughs> if we're being really honest, because I think they would watch more television together. <laughs> the basis of all relationships, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, David, if people want to uh, find you, Are You My Mother, gimmicks, or anything else you're you're doing, what's the best place for them to do that, or where should they start? 
Yeah, folks can find me online almost any social media site. I'm available as Dmuma. That's D-M-U-M-A. I'm probably most active on Twitter, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and that's D-M-U-M-A-2-2. Um, I do podcasts with the Glitterjaw Podcasting Collective. Um, so you can find my podcast at glitterjaw.com, and I know you all will pitch that at the end. But I'm really excited for the next few episodes of Ari and My Mother that are coming out. So catch that if you haven't checked out Ooh, one already. Yes, always excited to see who the next mom is. If you like what Derek and I are doing specifically, I would point you in the direction of our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. Um, we obviously do Spider-Man stuff over there, but we have tons of bonus episodes doing all kinds of things. Um, sometimes it's comics, like right now we're doing Superior Spider-Man. Um, sometimes it's Godzilla stuff uh, to supplement our Screonk uh, podcast, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um, or it could just be random things that we feel like doing that don't really fit on the main feed. And most of those episodes are available for just a buck a month. It's a great way to support um, Derek and me that's patreon.com slash walloping web snappers and of course check out our discord uh, to talk about spider-man or any other things that derek and i are covering uh, with other listeners Uh, you can find both of us individually all over the place derek where can people find you and the stuff you're working on Sure, you can find me most active on Twitter at Derek B. Gale or on other platforms under that name or Dare Bear, Mr. Dare Bear. I also have a new podcast called Lee Carvalho's Potting Challenge, which is a podcast I do with my co-host Tommy, where we go through all the Simpsons tie-in video games chronologically. I have another podcast. David, you didn't plug gimmicks, did you? Yeah, wow. Ouch on that one. You know, um, Derek Derek did it, so I'll, I'll plug gimmicks. Gimmicks <laughs> is a podcast where we talk about the high-concept experimental genre breaking gimmick episodes of television um and you can find that online at gimmick spot <laughs> i wasn't calling you out i legitimately already forgot yeah. what all you plugged so i wasn't sure if i needed to plug it or not it's just been now. mentioned Whoops. several times so i could right. see not yeah. knowing if it was yeah. formally plugged. i was like did i remember that he talked about it or not yeah. so yeah you know, I honestly do to, to, <laughs> to my big fan base who's come to walloping for the first time just to hear me um you've never heard derek do the pitch before listen to some more episodes of this podcast he mentioned in every episode <laughs> I do I do yeah that's the other podcast uh, that I do you can I, I do other stuff you can find all of it on my social media what about you Doug yeah, you can find me all over the place at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. Um, I'm on another Glitter Job podcast as well uh, called Novel Gaming, where my co-host Katie and I catch up on all the books, video games, and other media that we have been consuming lately. And we just we just dabbled a little bit in streaming. We played a, a video game over on my Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv slash Ikibuli. Uh, so check that out. If, if, if that was... Uh, a good time. Maybe we'll we'll do some more uh, playing video games live in front of people. We'll see. Um, if you would like to find other queer creators who talk about media, check out the Glitterjaw Queer Podcast Collective at glitterjaw.com. Believe it or not, we haven't mentioned every show in the collective, despite having covered, I think, six or seven of them. Um, that does <laughs> include uh, Derek and my newish monthly podcast. I say newish. We're like almost six months into it at this point. Um, Screonk, a Godzilla movie marathon where we are stomping through Godzilla's filmography our episode on the original King Kong versus Godzilla, specifically that sequence of words, King Kong versus Godzilla, if you are searching for the correct movie, is out now. That's a 60s movie, not a current millennium movie. (laughs) So if you are going to watch that along, make sure you find the right one. Visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms, especially for the new shows. It helps people find us. 
And next week, we are doing another Ask Us Anything episode. It's been a while, and hey, uh, it's our five-year anniversary this month, uh, so we figured what better way to celebrate five years of the show than by answering any questions you may have about the show, about us, about Spider-Man, about not Spider-Man, anything that comes to mind, we will answer it. That'll be a fun one. See See you then. then. Spider-Man, Harry and Harriet, yeah. yeah.